Bigger Fables, a podcast where two lifelong friends and totally obsessed business nerds discuss all things leadership. I'm your host, Jacob Evans, and I'm joined by your other host, Casey Clark, who has still yet to decide what his new car will be. Casey, how are you doing today? I am doing awesome. I actually ordered a car. Oh, you did? I, well, you canceled coming. and ordered. And, and, and then right? I canceled. Okay, it. okay. Yes, because in my fancy condo, I cannot install the charger for the electric car that I ordered. So, wah, wah, wah. But now I'm kind of thinking, like, I, I want to run a, a test on... So, in, I have to give background here. More than the intro you wanted here, but... Uh, we have we have three drivers in my family that are at home, and we have two cars already. And I work from home. And so I'm like, what happens if I don't get a car? And I just Uber places, or I just rent cars. Like, what is the cost difference? I'm going to do a whole thing. Maybe I'll put it up on our, eventually we're going to have a YouTube channel. Maybe I'll put it up on the YouTube channel, my analysis of, you know, it's kind of like having a private car service. It's called Uber, right? Or <laughs> renting a car for the day when I need it. But anyway, I don't know what I want yet, so I'm, I'm kind of dreaming. Or you might just Uber everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Or I might just hire you to come pick me up. Okay. I'm uh, I'm definitely not doing that. I don't, (laughs) I I don't think you can afford me, Casey. So, Uh, yeah, I know I can't afford you. So as a follow-up, I think this is a follow-up as a follow-up to our last episode on creating marvelous meetings. We thought it would be great to do an episode on presentations, which is kind of a component of a marvelous meeting. We talked about, um, a little bit giving impactful presentations during that episode, but we thought it Wait, would be, don't, don't you need to do alliteration like marvelous meetings? Don't we need proficient presentations? There you go. There you go. Popular I, I, I presentations. Like I like that. That alliteration is great. I'm not that talented <laughs> with alliteration, Casey. Thanks for calling me out on that. Uh, proper presentations. Proper presentations. I'm, I'm just going to keep thinking of powerful presentations. To... Oh, that's good. All I right. think that's the winner. We'll yeah. stick with that. So, Casey, when you think of a powerful presentation, uh, what is like a couple of attributes that come to mind? Oh, man, I, I when I when you say the word presentation, I'll be honest that what comes to mind is not powerful. presentations. <laughs> I think it's the five bazillion presentations I've sat through that have been terrible. And, you know, I think that the biggest mistake people make when giving presentations is they try to do too much in a presentation or they think that people care as much as they do about what they're presenting and it it leads to just bloat in in a presentation and so I would say the the biggest thing that I look for when I'm presenting is that I one know how much the audience wants to hear about the topic or is relevant and, and clearly identifying what's in it for them in the presentation. And, and so I think this probably speaks to relevancy, right? Is that um, you don't need to hear my whole process for how I came up with the idea or the presentation. What, what is exciting? What do you need to know? And then what do you do with it? So the, so it, it, just let me recap what I'm hearing. You are advocating that presentations ought to uh, really consider kind of what's in it for the the folks kind of the hearing listener. the presentation, yeah. right? The folks that are in the audience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think many times in uh, you know when giving a presentation, we kind of think about, oh well, you know, how is this relevant to me, yeah. <laughs> or what do I find interesting about this 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 subject matter, or uh, how can I kind of show off my 
uh, acumen in a particular uh, area uh, of, of our business or, or as it relates to kind of the, the presentation that I'm giving, when in fact I should be considering is how is this information, uh, how, how are the topics that I'm presenting going to impact or influence or um, excite the people that I'm, I'm actually talking to? That's it. And, and also the fact of like leaving the audience wanting more, um, after a presentation rather than I have now fully exhausted every aspect of this that you don't care about, um, leaving them with, you know, that they're surprised that they're excited about what I'm presenting. They clearly know what to do with it. And I have a really good friend who's a great business writer has kind of mentored me a bit in this, but even that my presentation sets up questions that I want to be asked later. And that's when you know you've done a really good job is when you get the questions you want versus questions you didn't think about or questions that kind of come out of left field or don't serve your purpose. But there's a way to do that in a presentation too, is, is to not give everything, give enough that it's informative and actionable, and then leave a little off the table for follow-up or for, you know, for a clarification. So some of the, some of the kind of attributes of great presentations that kind of come to mind or powerful presentations as we're calling them are that, and I think you touched on this, Casey, they ought to be surprising. They ought to, Mm -hmm. they ought to kind of be interesting in a way that it kind of surprises, um, uh, those that are those that, you know, happen to be in the audience. Uh, They ought to be relevant. We talked about that. They ought to be, you know, somewhat interesting, right? Um, this is a big one that I think a lot of us miss. Um, and that is, they ought to be somewhat interactive. Um, I, I don't know about you, Casey, but I don't really like sitting in long presentations where I'm just like being like drenched with a fire hose of information. Yeah. Uh, it 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 uh it's just it it doesn't really invite or or engage me. I think as well as it could. Um, they ought to be we've someone. Known this in, we, sorry, we've known this in education a long time that you only get a certain amount of what we call direct instruction time, meaning me talking to you. Um, and, and I think if you think of like education back in the day, that's what you think of a teacher standing at a whiteboard and lecturing, right? And and universities, K through 12, all know that that is actually the least effective way to teach anything. The inter- interaction, what you're talking about is the key. So I might have five minutes of presentation to 20 minutes of interaction. Yep. Yep. They ought to, you know, and, and a couple of other attributes come to mind. They ought to be somewhat creative, like you might not want to use, and this is kind of like to the mundane sort of things. Like if you're going to use a PowerPoint presentation, you ought to maybe, you know, spice it up and not just use a default theme or use some interesting transitions, that kind of stuff. Um, oh. and, and then lastly, oh, no, no, Casey. I couldn't disagree with you more. Okay. Uh, let me hear it. Interesting transition. Interesting. We'll talk, we'll talk about that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, like I said, if you're going to be creative, be creative. If you're not going to be creative, then, you know, maybe don't have a PowerPoint at all. Yeah. That, okay. Now you're speaking my love language of no slides in meetings, but I know we're going to dive deeper. If you can't execute topic, on the so. slides well, don't do them, but we'll talk about that yeah. later. Yeah, uh, okay. and, they, yeah. and it, you know, I think you touched on this too, Casey, like uh, a good presentation, a powerful presentation ought to be memorable. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, you know, in my world, I spend a lot of time virtually with people and, and presentations need to be a little different if you're in person or if you're online, some of the key elements are the same, right? Like, uh, have you practiced before? Do you have a solid, uh, narrative that you're giving? Is it interactive? Some of the stuff, but I think there's like a two to one ratio in, if you're doing a virtual meeting 
means you actually even need more interaction and connection for the group and less slides, less visuals, um, because of the fact it's so easy to multitask and check out. So you better be exciting, you better be relevant, and you better be interactive, or you're doing a presentation to yourself, basically, because no one's listening. Yeah, no one's going to care. Well, you'll care, but no one else will care. (laughs) And then they'll say, you never told me about that. Like, yeah, I did did a 45-minute presentation, remember? And they're like, "Mm, no, I don't remember, (laughs) because I was doing email at the same time. Yeah, that's that's, that's something you can get away with, I think, in, uh, in virtual meetings more than maybe live meetings, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. You can no, quote unquote it, multitask. It's not really multitasking, yeah, but if you're sitting in a room with people and you're typing, right, it's blatantly rude. But the mute button allows you to do that, and, and even like turning off your camera allows you to, you to do that. So I know I've been in some meetings where the or presentations where the facilitator has actually said, "Can we not multitask?" And then everyone rolls their eyes and starts multitasking again. So it just it's it's really tough, uh, and and it's one thing to get mad at the audience because they're not paying attention. It's another thing to be dynamic enough that you can capture their attention on a virtual meeting. And that's where I think to some of your points, Jacob, about creativity and, and surprise even, right. That I want to pay attention because I don't want to miss something in this. So let's dive into some of these sort of attributes of powerful meetings a little more. Let's talk about how to create impactful content and perhaps slides. One of the things that I think a lot of presenters uh, could benefit from, and I try to do this, uh, you know, effectively and not always, it doesn't always work, I'll be honest, is to pepper a little bit of humor, particularly towards the beginning of the presentation. I found that when I do that, it normally like warms people up a little bit. They, especially if it's folks that you haven't presented to, you know, a lot or don't know well, using a little bit of humor, even self-deprecating humor uh, used effectively can kind of warm up your audience and say, oh, you know, this guy is, he's okay. He, he he gets us. He understands us. He's a, he 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 or she is is um someone that that's worth listening to. Um, and you're not just some stodgy you know guy with a PowerPoint that you need to run through. I think this is so understated. Here is humor is like a superpower in communication. It you know I even think of super serious movies. If if you see those like war movies or. I think of even some of the Marvel movies, right, that are like three hours of fighting, basically, you know, in the movies. And I think where they really get you is the humor, because what humor does is it breaks down defenses. And so if I have a moment where I can laugh, I actually put down the walls for a second um, and it helps me to connect to the presenter. So I've talked about this before and I, some people are like, well, I'm not that funny. You know, what do you do if you're not funny? And it's like, well, you can plan humor, right? Like there's, there's ways to do it, but I think the best way is to actually capture it when it happens and not be afraid of it in a presentation. Uh, And I was, I was thinking this uh, last week I was in a meeting and I was going over this really complicated uh, allocation strategy we were using. I work in higher ed. So how we match students to the support they need. And we're trying like five or six different projects to be able to do that. And it, it's super technical. And I was, lo- I, I was losing the audience. I could tell that I was losing the audience. Like I, I presented what we were doing, how much was going to save. I probably should have ended the meeting right there because that's, that was about the level that they cared. But I, I was really going into some detail on stuff. And for some reason, I could not say the word operationalize. 
in the meeting. I, I was like, oh, oper, no. Operos, op, <laughs> operational. Like, and, and the first time I, I missed it, right, it's awkward. And then I tried to say it again, and I missed it again. So then it was like everyone's chuckling. I must have tried five times. <laughs> and But I think this is a good example of like, instead of being embarrassed that I couldn't say a word that basically describes my job, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm an operations guy, uh, that it became like a funny thing. And everyone was waiting for me to try to say that word again in the meeting. And so I purpose, I must have said operationalize 15 more times and during the meeting and maybe got half of them right. But people were laughing. No one was doing email. Nobody was multitasking because they wanted to hear Casey not be able to speak English correctly. And uh, but that's that's where I'm just saying you can find it in a meeting if you're watching for it. And don't be afraid of it. Like lean into it when it happens. Yeah. When things get funny, like, yeah, absolutely. Lean into it. And I, I don't know if this happens to you. I, I feel like I wish I had like more tips on the humor front because I, I feel like kind of a jazz musician, like the humor that I introduce into meetings kind of it happens organically, as you just indicated. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I come prepared with a list of jokes that I'm the going jokes. to tell or, you know, it, it, it often, often the humor dawns on me in the moment. And uh, and, and I just, as you said, you know, try to embrace it. Um, I'll, I'll give a tip on that. Watch if you're doing a virtual meeting, watch the chat. And I think that's where sometimes humor pops up is someone will think of something and maybe they don't want to say it publicly, but they'll throw a gif in, you know, the chat or they'll, uh, you know, put a funny comment. And so it's, it's a way to read the room. If you're doing a presentation virtually that where you'd have body language, if you were doing it, you know, in in person. But I, I think we could probably do a whole episode on, on humor. I also think you can build humor in with your analogies in meetings, which I know we'll talk about here in a minute, but, um, Connecting it to a movie, connecting it to a book or something pop cultural, something funny always helps people to be able to do the framework. And again, the people in the, the audience have not done the research you've done. They've not put together the slides, right? Most of the time they have very little information on what you're presenting on. So you need to give them a framework to wrap their brain around it. And in that, if you can build in some humor, a funny clip, uh, uh, a joke. I, I don't think it's a bad idea to have a prepared joke. If you know, if you got it, um, Jacob's the king of cringy dad jokes. Like it, it's okay to do that because it does help give people a moment to breathe and connect with you as a presenter. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So use, use humor effectively. Um, that'll make your content and, and what you're saying and, and what you're going to say, what we're going to say much more impactful. At least that, that, yeah. that's been my experience. Um, another kind of tip, if you do have to use slides and many of us do, <laughs> Except for Casey, because he, for he, he has a he he has a different superpower. Uh, I, I try to use as few words on the slides as possible. There's nothing worse than giving a presentation or hearing a presentation where the presenter just reads the slides to you. And and every time I'm in a meeting, this happens to me more often than I'd like to admit, where I'm I'm receiving information like this. All I can think to myself is someone in the audience is, why didn't you just send me the PowerPoint presentation? I could have read it and you know, we could have just done a Q and a, like, I, I don't need, yeah. <laughs> I don't need someone to, this isn't story hour. I don't need someone to read me the slides. I know how to read. Yeah. And if your presentation is highly technical, I think you're right. And send it. This is actually something we're trying where I work is, uh, rather than having slides, write a two pager, um, about what you're going to present on with the details. And this is where, if you need really specific details, you can put them on paper 
That way I have a, like a job aid afterwards. I can look at it while you're presenting. I don't have to ask you to go back slides or forward slides. I think that's actually a lot more effective than showing up with, with slides that again, in a virtual environment means you, you reduce the size of people's faces, right? When you put up slides and so it's hard and, and in most software, you actually limit the number of people you can see when you do that as well. Um, in person, I think slides are a little more impactful because they can still see you and everyone else. But virtually, again, that rule of I would do less with this. And I, to your point, I have a coworker that will go unnamed that their PowerPoint, they have one PowerPoint template and they just copy and paste an email into it. And it's like, this is so painful. Do not show up with this. Um, yeah. It, 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 and in person, they print them out, right? And hand them this like, oh my gosh, you guys like save the trees as well. But I like the two pager ahead of time and forcing yourself. Maybe it's a one pager. So it's not like a, a book that you have to read, but it's a quick uh, overview you can read beforehand uh, and after, frankly, if you did multitask and you, for, you know, your people can go back to your resource. Now, I will admit, I have put together uh, slides where there were quite a bit of, there was quite a bit of words. There was quite a bit of content on the slides because I wanted an artifact that people could take back that actually had useful information on it. However, when I gave the presentation, I didn't read what was on the slides. Instead, I just added additional context. I might have given a little overview, but I never read word for word what was on the slide. And I normally elaborated a little more than than was you know actually you know being written uh, or that I wrote on the slide. And I I found that you know if if you have to like that's a good kind of middle ground. If you if you have to prepare slides and put a bunch of content on it. Uh, don't read the slides. Add additional context. Add add your kind of your own feelings and opinions and and um, that kind of stuff when giving the presentation. And that'll keep yeah. people a little more engaged as well, I think. And tell them that's what you've done. I've actually yep. created a resource for you that I'm going to show you, and then maybe highlight a couple things you want them to look at versus all of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing that I like to do if I am putting together a, a PowerPoint presentation is to use visualizations effectively, like a big picture can help you tell a story better than uh, a bunch of words on uh, on a slide. So if I, I can find an illustration or a chart or um, something big and very visual, um, I'll use that over, over you know, words any day. And um, that, that kind of helps me. It, it kind of scratches my creative itch. And I think it also kind of helps, um, it helps make the PowerPoint or the, the, the presentation a little more impactful. I think pro tip on this too, if you're going to do this, do it right. And use a stock image company or, you know, like don't go to Google images and put a blurry picture on or, you know, clip art from PowerPoint that you, you know, it just, it better look good if you're going to do this because you're taking up room in people's brains when you put an image up on the screen. So it better help them better connect with your message or it's not worth the distraction um, in it and you should just do a narrative. But, but yeah, if you're going to do it, do it right, I think. Another thing I like to do um, that uh, surprisingly has been pretty effective for me is I like to plan a surprise or two in the presentation. So I often have to deliver product roadmap plans, uh, new product announcements, that kind of stuff. I, I did this once uh, and, and we had a whole bunch of like products that we were announcing to our sales team. And I thought to myself, like prior to the presentation, this is about a month or two uh, ahead of time. Uh, normally, for these sort of big product rollouts, we we spend a lot of time preparing for them because uh, they are important. 
And uh, one, one of the things I, 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 I'll think about is, okay, well, how can I surprise them? Like a lot of people know that products are coming down and we're really using these meetings to share details about how they work and how to sell them. Um, but I, I identified a problem that our sales team was having with our CRM at the time. I'm like, ooh, I think we can actually you know, develop this little sidecar tool to solve this problem. And uh, that was my one more thing in the presentation. And I got to tell you, Casey, it was like a super simple thing. It probably only took it took us like a week to develop, but I got a standing ovation because it was such a big problem for them. Like I didn't realize like what a what a problem this it was. It had to do with searching for clients in our in our CRM, and we uh, we devised a, a really elegant solution to solve that problem. And uh, and yeah, it was it, it 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 was it was a big win, and it was a surprise. It was something I just put at the very end of the presentation, and I got to tell you, from then on out. The rest of the presentations I gave the sales team was like, okay, well, what what kind of surprise are we in for for this next thing? And and the interesting thing about that, the dynamic that went on was that I, I found that in subsequent presentations, people were a little more apt to pay attention. Like they didn't check out quite as soon as they you know yeah. might have otherwise because they're like, oh, you know, there's good stuff coming. There's more good stuff coming. And and uh, you know, finding that is sometimes really difficult. I appreciate that. But even small things like maybe it's a change in benefits that you're announcing or um, uh, something like that. Like, you know, it just, it can be a small thing or maybe just food afterwards. Like, Hey, and we've done this like cool, you know, surprise thing, brought in food. Like it can be very small, but I think kind of peppering in, uh, surprises in your presentations will make you kind of a, a, a more impactful as time goes on, a more impactful presenter. Yeah. I, I like that so much. And I think a way to do this that I found is to incorporate the voice of the consumer or the customer into this as well. So if I'm making a point about something, it's one thing for me to stand up there and I have a certain level of credibility that I'm giving, but if I can then go to a clip of someone giving kind of a similar message or building upon that, and maybe it's a team member, maybe it's a customer, maybe it's a, you know, whoever, uh, maybe it's even a thought leader, you know, that, that I could implement into my presentation it's, it's nice to have, um, it's nice to have multiple voices. So it's not just one voice the whole time, but yeah. be careful. Cause you don't want too many voices. That's <laughs> so right. My role is like three is the most anyone can take in, in a presentation. Yeah, I absolutely. Inviting other folks to kind of break up the monotony of you is yeah. always a good idea, either a video or maybe another presenter, um, that kind of thing. And as, as you know, just lastly, I think we, we kind of maybe finished on this point is that, you know, sometimes no slides are better than slides. So I'd start my, my default position now is if I can't add value to the conversation or the presentation with a slide, I don't do a slide. Yeah. And I would even go another layer to say, if there's a way for me not to do a slide, I won't do a slide. Like if, if it's imperative, like I can't get the message across without a slide, then I'll use a slide. Uh, again, this is more a virtual setting. Um, that's my rule of thumb is, I think people are slide deaf right now. Like they've just, there's, there's, there's been so much just done poorly that, that instantly the second someone sits down and sees your slide deck, they're like, Oh great, this is going to be a rough 45 minutes or, or whatever it is. So you better wow them or just delete it. And it's funny that in presentation, public speaking, the hardest thing to do is to edit and it's the most effective thing to do. And, and how can I make this message as simple as possible and connect with the audience. And and often that includes deleting stuff you love and stuff you want to say. It's hard. I think, I think this is true in most things in life, but particularly in presentations, sim the, sim the simpler it is, the more impactful it's going to be. Yep. If you and want just really 
people can't take in that much information. Like you just, I, I love, there's this old saying that your heart can only embrace what your butt can endure. Like, you know, as long I can only really hear what you're saying as long as my butt will allow me to sit here and, and listen. So it's better for you to give a compelling one point uh, presentation or, or one takeaway um, and do that like more often than to try to do it all, cram it into one thing. It just it doesn't work. It's not effective. All right. So we talked about impactful content and slides and maybe not slides at all. The next thing I'd like to touch on, Casey, is how to invite audience interaction. So how do we do this? What's like your go-to for inviting audience interaction? Yeah, I I think it depends a lot on the size of of meeting you have. If it's a larger presentation, um, I love to utilize tools. And there's so much great software out there for this. Um, Polling features are one of my very favorite Uh, there's a little bit of a risk in a large group to invite comment, right? Like say you're doing a presentation and there's 500 people there to, to simply ask a question and open it up. Like I find that very ineffective. And I feel like there's a couple people that are brave enough to speak that you're not getting to the mean of the group or what the average of the group thinks a poll is a great way to do this because you can put up a specific, See a specific. See, remember how I could say operationalized? <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, you can put a particular. There you go. I can change the word too. You could put a particular question or thing that you want feedback on out there and actually make it quantifiable. You can actually see the numbers. And I can't think of a web platform that doesn't have some kind of built-in polling feature now. If you don't, there's a hundred others that you can invite people to go to a website or do it on their phone or anything like this. But if, if there's a way to pull, I think that's my favorite go-to for interactions or, and, or breakout groups, uh, rather than feeling like I need the interaction in front of everyone, break them into groups of five and let them talk about what you just spoke about. It feels like you're losing a little control, but it, it gives them a processing, uh, engine, uh, to be able to do that. Th- that's kind of my go-to. Yeah. One thing that I, uh, I, I've done those things and, and what's great nowadays is that many of the, uh, web-based, um, uh, platforms for conducting large group meetings offer all of those sort of poll, yeah. pull the audience, you know, kind of, kind of tools, which is fantastic as well as breakout rooms and that kind of stuff. Um, one thing that I'll sometimes do if it's a bigger meeting is I'll ask individuals like point blank questions like, oh, you know, what do you think about or not? N- normally they're like, yes or no. Or like, hey, I know this person like knows about this stuff. So I'm going to like ask them a, an easy sort of two word, one word answer question. And I think that sometimes that kind of breaks up the the monotony a little bit. And and again, it's it, it, it kind of, you know, when I know someone's like apt to ask people questions, I'm like, oh, they're going to ask me a question. I better pay attention. So it kind of it kind of puts me on high alert. Uh, for for you, hearing questions, do you prompt them ahead of time or do you surprise nah, them? I normally surprise them. I'm big <laughs> in surprises, but I I can I can normally anticipate with a ninety percent certainty what they're going to say, and that I think I think that's important. If and and as Casey, you kind of touched on this. If you ask a question and or invite questions, um, it could really derail your meeting, uh, yeah. especially if it's a large meeting. So, uh, you, 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 uh, you know, I've, I've learned that you gotta be very, I gotta be very cautious in, uh, in how I, I deploy the, the question and answer, um, uh, uh, kind of format. Yeah. And, and there's ways to do this in person too, that I think is fun and also gets people up and moving. 
and that's finding different ways for them to connect inside the group. It's kind of the, the physical idea of a breakout room, right. In, in the meeting. But I used to have this, uh, manager who did this really well. I remember being in a meeting of about a hundred bankers and we were all branch managers and, and she's like, okay, uh, line up in order of X, you know? And, and I was kind of fun. Like I remember like, she's like, let's line up in order of your revenue, right? Top over here, bottom over there, which may sounds like she was like, you know, putting people out, but that's not what she's doing. Cause you weren't directly in control of your revenue. You took over the branch as it was. Right. So, but then it was really interesting, like to be lined up that way. And then I could see to my right and to my left, uh, two colleagues who were in a similar position in their branch that I was in mine. Um, and so we were able to connect and actually form like peer groups. So I think don't be afraid to get people out of chairs. Um, don't be afraid to get people moving, grab a, grab a beach ball and throw it out and make people throw it. To, I, I know some of these are like kind of cheesy, like corporate training things, but there's a reason that they do these, right. Is even just the idea of like some kinesthetic, uh, movement will help people be able to embrace the message that you're given. Another thing that I, uh, that I like to do in, 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 in inviting sort of audience interaction or just kind of anticipating, um, the audience that I'm, that I'm going to be presenting to is, is considering pushback. Like, okay, maybe I'm presenting to a whole bunch of people. What are some of the sort of concerns or questions that, that these folks are going to have and how can I better incorporate that into my presentation? Uh, that's, that's something that I'm actually working to kind of learn how to do better because typically, I don't know if you're like this Casey, but I'll, I'll, I'll see like the best, most rosiest path forward. And that is the path I will kind of paint in my presentation and uh, I, I'm learning that it, that it that a lot of people or, or some some number of people don't see the world the way I do. And um, a, a kind of a powerful technique in inviting the audience into your presentation is anticipating what others might might kind of push back on and, and kind of addressing those concerns without asking like without inviting questions. Like instead, you're answering those sort of questions uh, throughout the presentation. Yeah, that's I, I'm more like a, I'll just drive through the barricade of pushback. <laughs> I'm sure you have it, but I'm just going to leave you in the dust with this. Or if you, if you want to verbally challenge me in front of 500 people, I bet I'll win that battle. Right. Like as, as we're talking. But um, I, I think another way to do this is to actually invite the pushback. And this is a great use of a breakout group like, OK, we're going to break into groups and I'd love for you to talk about what parts of this plan you foresee not working and then one person scribe it and everyone and email that to me. So I have it. So that way you're not derailing the meeting, but you're also capturing any pushback that's there. Uh, and then people have had a chance to voice their concerns about it, uh, as well. So there's, there's a way to invite the pushback without it taking over the meeting or, or being like a high risk. Like I'm going to challenge this person that's speaking in front of a large group. Like that's not always a safe environment. Yeah, not only that, I think I think there is some power in just being vulnerable and saying, "Hey, this is something we're gonna." I mean, I, I've given presentations where I, it was really a presentation on an experiment that we were gonna do, and the results were very uncertain. Uh, saying that, like saying, "Hey, this is an experiment," yeah. or "This is something we're gonna try." We know that the results could be really great, or they could be really bad. Just calling that out, and and I think being vulnerable um, really helps you establish your sort of reputation, your credibility as a speaker. And again, I, I think that that uh, that translates to probably the the audience feeling a little more invited um, into the presentation or the content you're presenting on. All right. So, Casey, how do you how do you like to 
leave a meeting? Like how, what's what is like the best way to wrap up in your view a, a memorable, awesome, uh powerful presentation? Yeah, I think it's it's um it's a recap, right? I think the first is like that one sentence on what we just talked about with a clear next action step is how I want to leave people. And then I want to leave with, if I can make an emotional connection for people rather than just a technical one, that's the other thing that I'll try in a, in a closing is uh, let me, let me connect this to why this matters. And then let me make sure you clearly understand what we're doing and what our next step is. And, and I actually think, um, the after the meeting is probably the most important um, part of a presentation. It's just a lot to expect yourself to get everything done in a presentation in that, like, let's say you have 45 minutes to get every single thing done in 45 minutes and people to be perfectly clear. Like you're taking like one step in a communication funnel is the actual presentation, but there's all these other parts. There's the pre-work, right? Like getting people ready for the message and then I think what is the most important is the the follow-up afterwards. Like, thank you for attending this. Here's a recap of what we talked about. Here's our clear next action steps. And then what happens if someone doesn't take the step that they were supposed to based on the presentation? You know, what's the follow-up for that? So I think a lot of people put all their time into the presentation itself versus putting time into what's the follow-up from the presentation. Yeah, and this is also uh, whatever is being presented on, especially if you're presenting and, and you happen to be a people leader, uh, this is great content to discuss and kind of digest in your one-on-ones. Uh, I like to, as, as kind of a follow-up step, it's like, I like to ask people, well, how do you think that presentation went? How do you think the meeting went? Uh, what yeah. could we have done better? Or, you know, maybe there's some strategic initiatives that you launched and, and that and one-on-ones are a great opportunity to kind of talk about uh, how you're going to implement those on a more, you know, kind of day-to-day um, operational basis or how are you going to operationalize Casey those <laughs> op- op- uh, oper- that, yeah, that, that those sort of strategic <laughs> things one things well, two yeah. things I like to do um, in, in wrap up or kind of two tricks I have in my hat that I that I often use um, in wrap up is one is the one more thing which I talked about it's like okay I'm going to surprise you with something at the end that's always a great way to end mm-hmm. and then it's kind of the end of the end because you, you normally will wrap up kind of recap what you said talk about why you're excited about these things and then, and then you end with some, some, some wonderful surprise. So that, that, that's a great way to end. Two is I'll, like you, Casey, I'll make an emotional appeal. I'll explain to my audience why I'm here, why I'm excited about what we're doing, why I'm excited about the things I just presented on. And uh, I, I find that just by, by it being a little vulnerable at the end and, 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 and communicating uh, your why is really powerful. And I, I think that 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 leaves people with a with a, with hopefully a nice warm fuzzy before they yeah. you know before they leave. And I think a way to think about it is, um, it's like writing a paper, your thesis, right? And you should state your thesis at the beginning of the presentation and at the end of the presentation. And if someone only caught the beginning or only the end of the presentation, could they get sixty percent of what you were communicating? If so, you've won uh, that communication. Because like it or not, that's really what people remember um, in it. Now, they remember the way you made them feel, which is really important. And I think that's the middle section of a presentation is is how people walk away feeling. But one way to gauge how effective you were, and we, we've talked in previous episodes about reviewing the tape, right? Like going back and watching what you've done. But just connect to people and, and ask a question that is like, can they tell you what your thesis was or what the next step was? 
that's the true gauge of effectiveness. Not, not did you stumble, stumble over the word operationalize? Or, you know, that like, is another yeah. great question for a one-on-one. Yeah. Like, what did you yeah. get out of that meeting? And if yeah. they got something out of the meeting that you didn't anticipate, this has yeah. happened to me. Like, okay, I need, I need to work on how I do these meetings, how I do these presentations. Yeah. Like, uh, that, that you did not, you did not get what I thought you would. Yeah, and don't get mad at them. Because no, it's you. Get, yeah. It's you. Yes, that's an effect. How effective of a communicator you are. I, I've had lots of bosses that get mad when someone didn't get their really terrible presentation. <laughs> it's like, well, we can't be mad at them. And yes, they probably shouldn't have multitasked. And yes, but but you own your part of it, which is, was I effective? Right. The communication yeah. is all you now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it helps if people pay attention and that's and that sort of stuff. That's good. But you know. If, if you're a bad communicator, they might not pay attention. At least I might not. Right. Yeah. It's the part that's controllable for you, right? Without firing your whole team and then bringing in another group that won't listen to you either, right? Because <laughs> you're dull. Uh, yeah. That's right. Well, you know, Casey, I I would love to go to your next powerful presentation. Hey. You're, can I get, you're can I, what, what can I do to get an invite to that? Well, first you have to dis- uh, sign a non-disclosure agreement. Okay, um, that, that seems reasonable. Con- <laughs> Second, um, you have to be the opening act. Oh, <laughs> well, that that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll have to uh, rain check on that. Well, we hope that uh, you, dear listeners, uh, have gotten a little bit out of uh, uh, Casey and I's kind of thoughts on creating powerful presentations. And I think that this is one, one sort of high, it can be like with the proper preparation um, and then, and then post um, uh, execution can be a very high leverage activity that, that we as leaders conduct. Um, And it can really help establish you as, as a uh, really help establish your uh, what's the word I'm looking for Uh, your credibility uh, as a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and in a way that, you know, impacts a lot of people at once too, which, which there's very few sort of activities that we do as leaders, um, where we can do that, where we have that opportunity to, to reach a lot of people all at once in one presentation or at one time. Um, and in this case through a presentation. Yeah. So wrapping up here, Casey, I just, just, just want to encourage you (laughs) consider your content, make great slides, Invite your audience into the interaction and, uh, you know, have a memorable intro and outro. Super important. Yeah, those are, those are great tips. I'm, I'm Casey's rolling his eyes at me right now. No, it's a great rubric. I I was thinking like I could, you you know, if you were doing some post-game analysis, you could take those four things. Like how well did I do those four things and be a good way to analyze or reflect on what you did. Yeah. Well, if you would like to hear more from us, we invite you to buy some things that we like. You can find that on our website under the link Things We Like. We get a little kickback from Amazon when you do that, and we think you'll like them too because they're things we like. Also, leaving a review is super helpful. Uh, it, it helps get the word out of the show and and uh, gives Casey just Casey and I just a little bit more motivation to uh, create great content and. Uh, and, and we've got great content, I will say, in the pipeline. We're super excited about um, releasing our next season um, of Leader Fables. And we've got some other projects in the works, which we're also excited about. We'll be announcing soon. So, Casey, until next time, lead on. Lead on. <laughs>